You're listening to the Built Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. All January long, Midco Sports is the place to be for UND Athletics, with Fighting Hawks hockey and men's and women's basketball on our airwaves 16 times over the next five weeks. Plus, new episodes of North Dakota Hockey Central still coming your way every Friday night. It's all on Midco Sports and Midco Sports Plus. This is how we do sports, and this is the Built Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Chase Podcast, the first in a new year, episode one of 2022. I'm Alex Heinert, joined by UND Athletics Director Bill Chase. Happy New Year, Bill. The last time we potted, by the way, it was pre-Christmas. How was the holiday season for you and the Chase family? Yeah, Happy New Year, Alex. Uh, good to be here in 2022, uh, pod one of 22. So uh, good, good. Uh, went well. Um, hopefully things went well for you as well. Uh, we were not on the road. And so obviously, you know, you saw a lot of images of, uh, of the air travel, which was, uh, not, not great. And so, uh, you know, so fortunately knock on wood, we kind of kept it close, uh, close to, to the, uh, homestead here in Grand Forks and just kind of, uh, kind of laid low a little bit. And so that was our deal, but had a great great couple of weeks and uh now we're getting after it in 22 and it feels like 22 is a little bit similar to what we've been dealing with in 21. <laughs> yes it does doesn't it a little carryover from this last calendar year before we get into all of this i do want to ask who is the bill chaves family board game champion of the holidays who won the most victories bill mm, good question i'd like to say it was me but uh, I, I don't think it was. And so uh, that's, uh, you know, I think I wanted maybe a game here and there. And I make sure that to let folks know that uh, mm-hmm. that I did win uh, because the uh, the winner does clean up. So uh, that's how it goes. So it, it it's an enjoyable cleanup, truly, when uh, when that occurs. But uh, yeah, between Clue, Little Cribbage, Guillotine. I don't know if you've been a, in, into guillotine. That's a that's kind of a game out there for all of our pod listeners that they may want to uh, uh, maybe explore. It's a good game, and so uh, yeah, I you know it's a good question. I you know what I think it was spread out pretty good. I think the you know what I think everyone kind of had a had a W here and there, but it wasn't someone on a major uh, streak. Yeah, that's awesome. Good. My my family got into puzzles. My my girls really have enjoyed puzzles. So we we did a lot of puzzles. A lot of the same puzzles. I've gotten really good at identifying which Disney princess goes in which spot on a particular puzzle that we got for Christmas for our four year old and our two year old. But it's just as I mean, we'll we'll eventually get to board games. Right now, it's it's puzzles for the Heinerts. Yeah, uh, my wife big into puzzles. Uh, there's always a puzzle table up as well. Oh, so uh, yeah. So uh, probably not Disney princesses at this point in time, but, uh, but certainly uh, that's, that's kind of a, a, for sure, a pastime for uh, a couple of my kids and my wife. I, I'm not a big puzzle person. I'm just not. And so uh, that's okay. Every, to, to each his own. To each his own. You, you we excel and enjoy other things. And we're going to get to some of those on the B side, including a full festive fixture list on the soccer side. Puzzles, though, it's kind of a good segue into what we're talking about, because figuring out a schedule for these different sports has been a puzzle, really, for the last 15 months, really, since sports began in full again last winter. And that's been the case, especially over the last couple of weeks, where we have seen the Omicron virus really pick up steam across the country and across the world. 
And in the last couple of weeks, we have seen a lot more postponements and cancellations, and UND has certainly been affected by that as well, Bill. For sure, Alex. It, it felt like the fall was a bit more normal. And then uh, you're right, this variant has has taken hold uh, of uh, a lot of folks. Um, and I think even prior to that, influenza A was running rampant. Uh, I know on the campus uh, prior to the students leaving for break, and we had a couple of other uh, schools, I know, having to kind of stick handle that as well. So you, you kind of combine both of those hasn't been great. And you're right. The, the, this particular variant, uh, for sure, very, uh, uh, you know, very transmissible. And, and so at the end of the day, um, it's almost like we're back a little bit trying to figure out, okay, this week, what is our best decision uh, moving forward for the conferences that we're in right now? And uh, I can tell you, I just got off a, um, a Zoom with the Summit League, and we had made a decision to not make up games. And we've rethought that basically because we have new information. And when you get new information, you're going to have to make decisions at that point, you know, because here's the yin and the yang is you could have, I guess, a tight fixture list, like we'll talk about on the B side, but you also could have a situation where a school doesn't play for two or three weeks. That's not great either. And so, uh, so we record this on a Tuesday morning. It'll be released on a Wednesday afternoon. You'll know uh, about 24 hours ago that this has been released uh, and that decision was made that we're going to try to reschedule games based on some principles because you need some guiding principles on how you, uh, um, how you actually reschedule. But you're right. It, it is a puzzle. And a puzzle that seems like changes, maybe back to gameplay or board gameplay, seems like the rules are changing on, on, a, on a kind of a daily, weekly basis. Yeah, with UND on the men's basketball side, they had a couple of games canceled, but now we can say maybe postponed over the new year against South Dakota and South Dakota State home games that would have been really great for our fans, good rivalry games within the Dakotas. Exciting to hear that perhaps those games will be back on the schedule, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. We've seen this across college hockey. We, we had a news this morning, an NCHC game postponed because of COVID issues with Omaha, between Omaha and Denver. Some of the positive things, and you mentioned this, some of the good things, at least about this variant of the coronavirus, is that it's not as perhaps severe. The symptoms aren't as bad, but it's much more transmissible. And so figuring out if people have been vaccinated versus unvaccinated seems to, you know, if you're unvaccinated, the symptoms are less, or I'm sorry, if you're unvaccinated, the symptoms can be worse. If you are vaccinated, they might be a little bit weaker in you. But we just don't know. There's so much of this stuff that is still unknown. And so it's just a lot of things to sort of figure out. And, and that's kind of what we're doing as you on the fly, in real time, as always, just getting new information and then adjusting when we learn more. Here's what we don't know, too, is if you've gotten one, I'll call it strand of this at some point, can you get the next one, right? So I believe... I was, Omicron had not come to the country yet. And so I must have gotten the Delta early November. And so can, if you had Delta, can you then get this variant? You know, so those are things we just don't know at this point. So we're continuing to, to you know, try to live with 
the virus and try to make, you know, good decisions along the way to still preventative measures, right? I mean, when you can distance, you distance, when you mask, you mask, hand washing, all of the things that you need to do to help yourself. But you're right, this particular variant, um, I think is going to infect a lot of folks. And, you know, if you listen to some of the experts, you know, it might not be great like this January, February, but it in a weird way maybe helps you afterwards because there'll be a lot of folks that have been infected. That's the amazing thing about this is that going into the pandemic in the spring of 2020, you didn't really know how long it was going to go or what the end date would be or when you'd sort of be in the clear. And as you look back over history, these sorts of things typically take a couple of years to run their course. And there will be different strains of a particular virus and different variants that come through and they'll be of different severity. And this is all as weird as this sounds, this is sort of the pattern over history that you see that there are ebbs and flows. And during the winter time, when people are more apt to get sick, you're going to have these things pop up more so. And we might have another year or two or three maybe of this that we're going to have to deal with. And that's, I think, hard sometimes for people to come to grips with, that it won't sort of feel normal. But like you said, there are still preventative measures you can take to help yourself from getting really sick, from going into a hospital setting and having to need treatment and infecting other people that might be more susceptible to worse symptoms. And so even though it's it's not the most fun to have to wear a mask or maybe not do all the things you normally would do, these are still things that we can do to try and help society while still living a healthy life and still enjoying each other's company and all those things. And again, these are the sort of measures from a league perspective, it feels like we're starting to try and take with increased protocols and then also trying to reschedule games when it makes sense. Yeah, no doubt, Alex. And I think the other thing that we're, you know, hopefully uh, knock on wood, you know, pharmaceutical companies will continue to uh, come out with, uh, you know, various uh, medicines, if you will, or, or things to help you when you maybe you do get the virus. And so maybe not just on the vaccination side, just more tools in the toolkit. And so there's some of that that I think is in play too, uh, you know, some of the things that I've, I've read in that regard. And so, yeah, but it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mutating virus that seems to figure out how to, you know, knock on people's doors. And that's what's transpiring right now. So from a Summit League side, again, we saw a ton of games called off. Obviously, not just UND. We saw men's and women's basketball games called off in droves over the holiday period. Exciting to see that some of those games might get back on the calendar. Hockey side, same thing. The NCHC hadn't really been affected by this up until today, really, with their first series called off between Omaha and Denver. Some schools out east, though, had started to see games get called off over the course of the year. Do you see, outside of now what the Summit League has done, some of the protocols that have been in place with the NCHC. Do do you see additional perhaps guidelines or restrictions maybe start to be put in place, Bill, as we kind of go along with this? Or do you think what we've got in place right now in terms of testing, et cetera, are we kind of at where we're at, at least for now, knowing what we know? Yeah, those are good questions. So I'll take them maybe in bites. So I think you're, you're talking about and we actually have a webinar tomorrow with the NCAA and their Sports Science Institute to kind of figure out what is the actual regiment. If you're vaccinated versus not vaccinated, then you're testing versus not testing. So I don't know if I see that changing much at this point in time. I, I, I don't think so. I think that 
the other couple of things that are that are out there as well is, you know, fans in stands, you know, could that be affected to some degree? Um, I think depending on where you are in the country, I think that will, um, you know, the, that will basically be up to your local um you know, guidance, your state, kind of your county, what what the local health officials are saying. So I think, you know, that's still something out there. I don't see that affecting us at this point in time here at UND. Um, yeah. And then I think it's just ultra communication, Alex. I think we, you know, the one thing we've gotten pretty good at as I think as a, uh, um, administrative community, uh, in all of our leagues is that we're, try to be as transparent as possible when we know something. And uh, because it gets the, the schools that are on the other side, um, a, a tip that, hey, you know what, you may not be making that trip right now. And the, and the earlier you can do it, the better. And that's what we did with men's basketball. So we had a combination of things occur with our roster. It, it wasn't just um, the virus, although the virus was the tipping point. That, that definitely was the tipping point, but we've definitely had some uh, folks coming off of surgery. We've had injuries. Uh, you know, influenza A didn't play much into this one particularly. And then we had uh, an individual leave the team. And so we've had a, a, a myriad of things that happened so that we just had a reduced roster. And the roster was just to the point where I just don't think it was, uh, you know, the right thing at that point in time. It was better to, to, to sit out a week, get your roster back to where it needs to be to then go forge on and play. And so, but I think every situation's its own. And that's why you need your league office to really be the hub to really take in a lot of intel because every situation could be its own and it could be a little bit different. There were a lot of good examples of that specific thing last year. You remember the UND women's basketball team with a series against Kansas City over the New Year's. Similar story with some girls out because of injury, some girls out because of COVID. And the I believe there were seven and a half essentially healthy bodies. Six and a half. Six and a half. That was the number. Because again, one of the players had just come back from surgery and was just starting to practice again. And that was a great mutual decision to say, we don't think it's healthy, healthy for these girls to play back to back with this few on the roster, but we can get one game in and we can gut it out. So here's the trick this year that last year we were playing the same team twice the same team twice <laughs> and that's not the case here and so that makes it really trickier in the summit league when you're talking hoops versus hockey so hockey you're only dealing with one team that's being affected on the other side and so like this week for instance omaha denver right like like one of them has an issue obviously um and the other one's affected but it doesn't affect another school, which is that's the case. And then the trick becomes, how do you go about this in a fair way if you were to play a game and not another game? And so how, how do you do that? And so it was like, you know what? Our roster was to a point where it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't ready to play two games the way it was at this point in time. So that's why we called it early that particular week. To be fair to our opponents. And at that point in time, you saw then later USD couldn't play as well. So they came in about a day later than us. And so, uh, you know, SDSU was able to play NDSU and that's all they, they could play uh, last week. 
you mentioned trying to figure this out when you have two different opponents versus two opponents that are the same. Just ask Michigan how that works on the hockey side. That was a huge story over the holidays where they didn't feel like they had enough of a roster to play both games in the Great Lakes Invitational. Only played one, but played the first one against the quote-unquote weaker opponent and really got lambasted over that. And we're not going to litigate that right now. But it's just, these are difficult decisions that athletic departments are having to make. And there isn't really a rule book or guidelines for this. And every situation is unique. These, I, again, I don't envy you and your colleagues. And honestly, too, I don't envy people at, at the you know national and international governing bodies. Look at what happened with the World Junior Championships over the break. And the IIHF have to make the decision to stop the tournament three days in because so many teams began to have positive tests and the, again just such such tough calls to make in these big yeah and so so for them I, you know I I'll talk about that in a second yeah but other schools I, I just don't even go there because at the end of the day I don't know inside what their situation is and I um I know I got my my hands full on with the desk here and so at the end of the day I, I you know people make their own decisions and choices based on what their situation is and not for me to really assess at that point in time I will say though a couple things though um, that has been fair through this uh, to discuss is non-conference games are different than conference games uh, there, there's not a there's not an independent league office that is going to have conversations on both sides of the ledger. So I just think league is different than non-conference. And so there you go. Um, as far as the, uh, the juniors, I think they got caught up in almost pre-pandemic protocols when all of a sudden the pandemic reared its head to almost its, its apex as to what we were before. And so, of course, if you were to go back in time, you would probably have put in more stringent protocols to get the tournament going. But now you're in actual real time with the tournament and you have to make real time decisions. And so, yeah, I, I, it, it's, it's not great. It's not great for sure. I mean, nothing worse, right, than getting there and actually playing and then having to pull the plug. I, you know, there, all of this is bad. You know, the, the, the women's tournament got pulled the plug before they got going and the men got it going while it was going. I, I, they're both bad. Yeah, it's, you feel bad for the, the kids. And that's what it comes down to. Like you just you feel bad for the athletes that are participating that don't get the chance to do so on both of those sides. Obviously, it's awful when you don't get the chance to even go and be a part of the team. It might even be worse in some cases when you go and you get a taste of it and you go through the whole process and you get one game and then that's it. And now you got to go back home. And that, one of the cool things, obviously, we, North Dakota has, you know, had two players on Team USA. There were five others from the NCHC that were a part of Team USA. A number of college hockey players across Canada and Sweden and other, other teams, obviously. And a lot of those guys came back and just jumped right in to whatever was going on. And it, and I thought that was really cool. And, and one of the big things, like Tyler Clevin comes back from Team USA duty. He's from Fargo, so he was able to have Christmas with his family and then play in our exhibition game against the national team. Um, Jake Sanderson, a bit of a different story because he's he didn't get a Christmas. They said, go home. Go home to Montana. Spend that time with your family. Join us when things get started for real. But Tyler said during the broadcast the other day, I just wanted to play. You know, we don't know. You don't know how many opportunities you're going to get to take the ice, especially in a year like this. And if you can play, you play. And I, I thought that was a really good mindset for a young man that's 
you know, 19 years old and, and understands how important these things are to him. Yeah, you know, we've we've uh, you know said that how many times, right? It's all about competitions, just play games because it's fleeting, and you don't know what's going to transpire uh, at any point in time. And that was why, um, you know, with us not playing the basketball, so I I didn't feel good about that, uh, you know, situation. But at the end of the day, I think uh, on a more global level or a macro level, uh, felt it was the right decision at that point in time, and that was in the moment where we felt the games were going to be canceled. So now you're like a week later and things have gotten, you know, different. And now we're having a, 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 you know, we've rethought our initial stance uh, league wise. And so maybe you get those games back maybe. And so if that's the case, awesome. And so uh, I don't know, you just got to do what you believe is right in the moment. And, you know, and, and that's the data you have, that's the facts you have, and that's the decision you make at that point. If new information comes, then you assess and then you make decisions. So are you a hypocrite? I, I don't think so. I think what you are is willing to evolve. And I think that's what we need to do during this is when we get new data and information, we make decisions based on that. What do we always say on this pod? The great, great ones adjust. adjust. The great ones adjust. You have to. A pivot, man. It's all about pivoting. <laughs> well, I would say in this day and age, obviously, if you're a fan that, that is planning on going to the Betty or to the Ralph or making a trip down to Brookings or Vermilion or to St. Cloud or where, whatever to follow our teams, just be sure to be paying attention. You know, get onto UND's website, look at social media, pay attention because it's kind of a moving target and things are changing day by day, hour by hour in some cases. So make make sure you're up on what's going on. The information is going to be out there. And again, information hopefully is going to be out there as soon as possible so people can make plans and not get stuck. Yeah, good point, Alex. And I appreciate you um, kind of jogging uh, this out of me is that in, I'll call it the NCHC because it's it's eight schools. It's it's a pretty well confined. It, you know, that information will go out um, as as um, we learn about certain things and then potentially more than likely what the reschedule would be at that stage, because again, it affects two teams. And so uh, that's a little bit different than the Summit League. The Summit League's thought process is, um, if something were to come out, it would be around four o'clock central on a given day, because I, I just think that's it, it, it lets most of the business day go. And then you'd wait until the following day to assess and then do it again at four o'clock if that's the case. But each Monday, there's going to be, I, I'm sure it'll come out of uh, Ryan Powell's uh, office, but he'll just put together what the upcoming week is, because we just have to kind of remind ourselves, right, what games are being made up when, um, and even the makeup games could change at some point in time based on facilities or travel or weather. So there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Oofta. Well, it's, it's going to be, <laughs> it all makes for a really interesting month ahead and probably semester ahead. And I think if we assumed that it was going to be smooth and easy and, and everything was going to go according to plan, you know, it, we, it, it's okay. We can adjust that mindset and just be ready to embrace change <laughs> on, an, on a given on any given day. Right now, games on the schedule for UND coming up. Again, the men on the basketball side, on the road against Omaha on Thursday, on the road against Denver on Saturday. The women, of course, because it's mirror, mirror scheduling, hosting Omaha 7 o'clock at the Betty on Thursday, hosting Denver at 1 o'clock on Saturday. 
Hockey is back home this weekend as well. Last non-conference series of the year against number 14 Cornell. A couple of big games on Friday and Saturday night. All those home dates, by the way, get out and support the teams in person. If you can't, Midco Sports has you covered for both hockey games and both women's basketball games this week. That's the schedule as of now. Keep keep your head on a swivel and be ready in case things change. Um, in terms of other things that are coming up, indoor track and field in two weeks gets going again 11 days from now. They'll be in Fargo for the Bison Team Cup. We're not that far away from tennis beginning. Men's tennis gets started next week down in Nebraska, taking on UNL and Creighton. The women have another week off before they go to Des Moines and then Omaha. Things are starting to happen, you know, not just in basketball and hockey, but some of those other Olympic sports are starting to pick up here as we start to turn the calendar. Life getting going again in the athletics department. Not like, it, not like it ever slows down, but fun to see some of those other sports now start to jump on board as we turn the page. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, we are excited about hosting the indoor uh, track uh, um, track meet for the uh, Summit League. So, you know, so as we, uh, it's it's kind of a quick, quick season, right? Like it, it feels like it, you get through the holidays and boom, you go through to, you know, a few weekends of, uh, of meets and then uh, we go straight into uh, the indoors and then right after that you're into the outdoor season yeah exciting stuff just a reminder again february 25th and 26th at the fritz pollard center on campus und hosting the summer league indoor track and field championships that's going to be a lot of fun can't wait for that one so that's what's sort of going on right now. A lot of stuff that's happening outside the playing field. A few other things, though, Bill, on your mind. Yeah, well, the one thing, and again, uh, it, it, sometimes you get a little confused during the uh, the holiday season, but uh, or you lose track of days, I think. Uh, but I think the last time we potted, we had not named a women's volleyball coach at that point. Oh, my so, goodness. You're absolutely right. Yes, yes. Jesse Tupac coming on board. Let's go. Yeah, so Jesse um, is going to join us. Uh, it has joined us, um, and excited about that. And uh, we were able to announce him prior to Christmas that week of. I think it was like on that Wednesday, somewhere in that range. And then um, he was able to come to Grand Forks last week, and he met with the media, and should be back again. Uh, then he had to loop back to Albuquerque and kind of clean up some things there, and should be back in Grand Forks. Uh, and we're hopeful uh, that this week's uh, luncheon, prior to uh, uh, the weekend kicking off, we're, we're hopeful that he's going to be a speaker there. So that would be great. And uh, so we're excited about Jesse. He's he brings a few things to the table, Alex, and uh, you know they 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 really were in a somewhat similar situation at New Mexico where they uh, they needed to kind of turn things around. And uh, this year they had a nice nice year um, for them uh, getting uh, getting back to where they thought they they should could be in the Mountain West. Uh, has been at Denver and so knows the Summit League, which I thought was important. And uh, you know, it'll be interesting. We'll we'll get him on the pod at some point in time. He really has a a fascinating um, background in uh, statistical analysis in regards to uh, volleyball. And uh, you know, you, you, it's probably overused to say kind of the money ball deal, but but at the end of the day, it's more about I think understanding. Um, you know, maybe it's like wins over replacement type stuff, right? Or wins above replacement, that type of stuff. You know, what 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 should you be spending your time worrying about? And I think that's it. Probably gives him an uh, uh, it identifies what ultimately uh, he spends a lot of time on, and what's what's potentially a difference maker for us here at UND. 
Yeah, he alluded to that in that press conference right before the turn of the year, just looking at that analytical approach. And there was some fun back and forth about how he's kind of the Billy Bean of the volleyball world and said he was really going to lean into that in his time at North Dakota. And again, if you missed that press conference or didn't see some of the fallout from that, he's, a, he's got a great personality. Again, he's a young guy with a lot of great experience, played at UCLA, spent time with Penn State and Iowa State, two really top, top programs. And then, of course, Denver and what they've done over the years and was the top assistant at New Mexico, as you mentioned. So he brings a lot of experience despite the fact that he's just in his 30s and has really learned a lot from some great leaders of the game. He's going to bring, again, I think a, a breath of fresh air to the program, and we're excited to see what he can do, uh, bringing North Dakota back to where they were just a couple of seasons ago when they were winning Big Sky Championships and moving on to the NCAAs. That's what's exciting. You know, we're not talking, you know, uh, we're talking just a few years ago. And so uh, I think that's what really um, got him excited for sure. And uh, and then he's got some international uh, experience as well. And so I think those are uh, those are some things that I think will really benefit the program. So uh, really excited about getting uh, he and his wife, Kristen, here and uh, um, getting things rolling and uh, kind of turning th some things around. And, uh, you know, certainly that was not what any of us anticipated, you know, what transpired. But, you know, we turn the page, we move forward and uh, and uh, upward and onward. Well, Bill, you've had a good track record of hiring the right people. Um, here in your time at North Dakota and in Eastern Washington and other places, et cetera. So I mean, it just feels like the returns, the early returns, very early returns on Jesse, all pretty good. Got a big thumbs up from the media the other day. So hopefully that that continues to transpire as we move on to the court uh, come the spring and then into the fall season. Anything else on your mind? Yeah. And if I could just thank uh, Kara Helmig and Sue Geno, who was really part of the uh, um the, the search committee that that helped us uh, identify Jesse and uh, you know it, they did a great job during it and uh, um, you know we had a couple of alums uh, that 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 um, helped us through some of the process as well not not maybe the entire process but had the ability to to help us weigh in and you know uh, it it was good it was really really good so we're excited about them coming and uh, yeah here we go it was great on that note to see. You know, Faith Dooley was involved in the search, now the head coach at Concordia. And that that's what's fun. When you, you see people that were a part of the program and had success, they want to see it return to where it was a couple of years ago to take the time to reinvest. Even though she's a very busy lady, I thought that was a cool nod. And again, great to incorporate people like that that have so much passion for UND Volleyball that that care is carried on even into their professional lives. It's really cool. Yeah, you know, we also had Jill Chaliwa. It was also a part of it. And she's... Uh, she has uh, given, uh, you know, of herself to the program for many, many years and uh, is, uh, it lives and dies uh, with UND Volleyball. And it was awesome for her to be a part of it as well and get feedback. And, you know, again, I, you know, each, each situation's its own, each hires its own. Uh, you know, I've, I've often said you could do the same search five different times, five months in a row and yield five different candidates for whatever reason. And that, that could happen. But I do think, you know, Jesse, he's the, he's the right person, right fit at the right time. Yeah. Excellent. Well, good. Congrats and good luck to Jesse as he moves forward here with UND Volleyball. Flipping the page over to the B side. We already talked a little bit about some holiday season stuff. I know a big part of the Chaves family holiday period is watching a lot of soccer and Spurs after having a stretch there where you just didn't play a match for weeks and weeks because of COVID cancellations. You had a busy festive period, number of league cup game, a couple of Premier League games. 
didn't lose a one bill. Look at this, the Conte revolution. Yeah, Antonio Conte is a pretty good manager. This just in. Uh, yeah, I don't know how long, you know, again, his chapter will last, but it was uh, needed, a needed chapter. And uh, he, he just seems to have the team organized. And uh, I still go back and say, you know, there's three, three teams that are cut above um, everybody else. Now, again, as you go through the year, sometimes you just get games like stacked together and you get some injuries and things happen. And, uh, you know, I think Chelsea's kind of going through that a little bit right now. And so I, I still think those three are it would be it would take to me some sort of a weird thing to happen where those in whatever particular order don't finish Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea in the top three. But boy, fourth is wide open. Wide open. There's no reason why Spurs can't think that they couldn't get fourth. I mean, there's no reason to think that, but you know, you have to kind of take care of business. That's why this past weekend, um, winning on the road at Watford, as ugly as it was, it doesn't matter. Like at some point, you just have to put the ball in the net, get three points, and get out of there. Yeah. Was it the 95th minute? Yeah. I mean, late, late, late. It was late. It was late, but you know, it was one of those, you know, um, they probably had a chance to score a couple of other times, just didn't. And um, you know how it goes. It, oh. You know, you, you either take full advantage of something or you don't. Yeah, it doesn't matter when they come. I mean, goodness, you, you take it. And that's sometimes those goals, late goals like that, that propel you to three points when it looks like you're just going to get the one. That can really push a team forward. And they've had some pretty good results of late. They will be out of the Premier League for a couple of weeks now with um, a big League Cup semifinal against Chelsea, a two-legged semi uh, against Chelsea, which is... Again, Conte, Antonio Conte, and Thomas Tuchel, and Jurgen Klopp all calling for one. Let's just play one. This is crazy. Why are we going to do two? But they're going to persist with with the two-legged semifinals home and away. Um, so that's what you got coming up. There's an FA. Yeah, as Bill makes the money sign. It's what it's all about. You're, you're certainly looking to squeeze every penny out of there. And you don't want to say no to 75,000 people that want to come to your game. But at what expense? There's been a lot of talk about you know, the players and the health of players and squad depth and all those things this time of year always is. Sounds, sounds familiar, right? Sounds pretty familiar to what we're dealing with here. You know, as, as me being a fan, I, I, it's quite interesting. I'm able to really follow, you know, what's transpiring there. And it's a lot of the same things that I'm dealing with on, on my professional life to some degree. And so it's kind of interesting to see how they handle some things and some of the conversations. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's just, just fascinating. I, I know when the calendar flipped to January, Spurs had six matches. Chelsea had six matches in the month of January, and each one of them plays each other three times. So it's like, you know, so I mean, that's, that's one of those oddity, weird things. So then you got to figure out what's your lineup going to be? How are you going to play this? But, but yeah, the, the actual aggregate home and home deal boy that seems like overkill in a normal year or in in normal situations you can understand it like it's that's what they do in the champions league obviously you've reached the semifinal. you want to ensure quote unquote the best team moves on and it is fun i mean there's there's fun elements to this you get the drama of 180 minutes versus 90 but certainly this if there ever was a time when you'd maybe reconsider and say let's just go to wembley and play at a neutral site and just do one this would probably be the year. So it's it's a shame that they're going to have to grind out this. 
you know, as we talked about on the A side with non-conference versus conference games are different. When you have different um, governing bodies, you know, who's willing to give up what for the greater good, right? I mean, that's really what's transpired. And so as we've learned to some level, they'll give up what they can give. They'll give up something when they have to give it up. (laughs) When they've been given no choice. This is the classic example of we want other competitions Yes. To, to give up matches. Of course. Don't, don't touch ours. And that's, of course. that's what the Premier League was saying, well, the FA Cup should reduce games. Or that's like the World Cup saying, we're going to go every other year. But, you know, all these other intercontinental competitions, you aren't as important. So you should just reduce your tournaments. But don't affect our bottom line. People are selfish. I, this, this just in, sometimes people can be a little bit selfish when it comes to things like this. Shocker. It, but but at the end of the day, it comes back down to the uh, how much you're putting on the odometer of these players, and uh, you know, um, just uh, really interesting. And so, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how they'll play it. I mean, uh, but yeah, it's it's made for certainly a little bit of a turnaround of where potentially they were two months ago. And so, uh, yeah, and I think you know they're good enough. Um, to be dangerous. Uh, I don't think they're good enough to be dangerous to the top three, but everybody else, I think so. They're currently in fifth place right now, or sixth place, excuse me, just behind West Ham and Arsenal. And it's all really tight. I mean, there's all those teams are pretty interchangeable still right now. And so it, they'll be, I mean, we've got a heck of a lot, a lot of the season left. It goes till the end of May. So a lot of matches left to sort of figure things out. One thing I will say, if you talk about catching the top three, nobody's catching Manchester City right now. They have, they have gone on this tear where they just don't lose. They don't drop points. And we've seen Liverpool and Chelsea draw some matches of late. And and they've just opened up this gap that feels right now insurmountable, especially knowing what Chelsea's got with these other competitions. And then knowing that Liverpool are going to lose Mo Salah and Sadio Mane and Naby Keita for a month to the Africa Cup of Nations. It just feels like that it's cities to lose at this point, and they're just not going to lose. They're just no, they're not. They're not. Yeah, and you know, and and, I, and maybe this is a bad thing too. Spurs have a couple of matches in hand, but I, it it only matters if you get points out of them. And so, um, yeah, I you know, it's going to be interesting. But uh, you know, Arsenal really is playing better this year. They they really are. I it, it seems like they have much to Paul Ralston's chagrin. Um, but it seems like they've and maybe maybe Schloss's chagrin. To I don't know what he thinks about Arteta, but at the end of the day, um, seems like they're playing better. They're playing better against bad teams. I will hmm. say that they they have morphed into this unit that typically looks pretty good against everybody that's mid table and below, and they've had some really good results against sort of teams that are quote unquote on their level. But I mean, Liverpool beat them five nil. I mean, they've they've been beaten up pretty good by the best teams in the league. So there is still that gap between Arsenal and the rest. But again, a lot of teams have been beaten up by Liverpool and City and Chelsea 4-5-0. So no shame in that. That's just where they're at. They are sort of a team that can finish between 4th and 10th. And they're right now beating the teams that are like 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th and below. And then they caught Tottenham at the right time, right? It was at the end of the Nuno whatever. And so at the end, so you, you sometimes catch teams correctly as well. And, uh, but Hey, 
they've 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 gotten results and they've gotten points and so they're in the hunt just like West Ham is and you know I don't even know where Leicester is but they feel like they're always lurking to some degree and so I don't know man you I don't know what they're doing I know I know they lost to Wolves but I mean it seems like they're struggling yeah, they've switched managers. Um, so Ralph Rangnick has come in as sort of a caretaker advisor, which is weird. Um, and yeah, they ha- I mean, they they are another one of those teams that seem to swat away sort of lesser opposition most of the time. I mean, they had a bad loss against Newcastle a couple of weeks ago, but like they they beat Burnley pretty easily three to one, and then turned around and lost to Wolves. And you know, when you've got as much talent as they do, like you should be beating all those teams that are worse than you, and they just haven't done it consistently. They're they're a pretty easy one to figure out that they just don't have it all together as a team. There's still a collection of individuals that haven't quite got it all on the same page just yet. Which which is what Conte does very well. I mean, it, you know, right from the minute he got there, um, you know, he just has a, a infectious energy about him that just. Uh, I think you can just tell the team plays differently and they, they play more accountable to each other. And uh, it's been fun to watch. You know, it, it makes, it makes for each match just always interesting. They've got the Conte cam. So just to make sure that we know exactly what's happening on the sideline with him. He, in a way he's a lot like Mourinho in that sense, where you just kind of, you sort of always say, and Klopp as well. And a number of other managers, like they, they are a big part of, the drama that unfolds over the 90 minutes. You want to see what they're doing, who they're yelling at. Are they upset at the officials over a call, et cetera. And, and that's, you know, Mourinho, it sort of became less fun over time necessarily, but there, there are fun things about having a manager that has personality like that. And we've enjoyed it at Liverpool because again, the wins have come and the trophies have come. I think you're going to enjoy it. And you already have been enjoying it at White Hart Lane now with Antonio. Yep. No doubt about it. Well, I, w- maybe we leave on this is the, um, the match with Liverpool, Chelsea, that was a fun match to watch. I mean, it, 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 and again, probably for a non-Liverpool Chelsea person, the right result, right? Uh, because each gets a point. They drew, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. The first half was incredible. And we, we were texting back and forth a little bit on this. The first, I mean, all the goals, really, all four of the goals. Mane had an early opener. Salah had one where it was like in a. What did you say? He could score in a phone box, and he in really a cubicle, could in a cubicle. In a cubicle. I mean, like just the way that he took the pass down, and you wriggle away from the first defender and score from an impossible angle. Incredible, Alex. Alex his his hesitation was amazing. Like I like I. You, you, there's no. You can look at it on a film all you want. You can't do that unless you can do that. I mean, and he just has that ability. And then he his finish was just ridiculous it was like near side right near side um post if you will and it was just ridiculous but then you follow it up with a couple of other goals by chelsea and it was like holy cow i didn't think you were going to get out of the half with the with with it uh two two yeah stuff stuff flipped real fast there at the bridge yeah if you've not seen the highlights of this game and you kind of like soccer or just like sports in general go look it up chelsea liverpool from this last sunday because mateo kovacic scores an unbelievable like falling backwards no balance volley to make it 2-1. And then America's own, Hershey, Pennsylvania's own, Christian Pulisic with a really nice goal as well, kind of on a semi-breakaway where he chips the keeper and makes it 2-2. Like just, it was a really fun first 45 minutes. And then things sort of settled down a little bit. And there were some good chances both sides, but 2-2 was probably about the fair result. But yeah, check out those highlights. I do want to ask, and this is this sort of stems from that. 
I feel like that in soccer, you see more ridiculous things than in any other sport. Like just things that you look at and think, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe they just did that. Is there another sport bill that sort of rivals soccer for those moments that happen over the course of a game or a match that really bring you out of your seat that are just like impossible? What sports rival it, do you think? Yeah, really good question. I think there's plays in sports like Kawaguchi's goal, right? The the, the Kawaguchi goal, that's what we're talking about with yeah. the uh, Chelsea goal because the Chelsea goal, it doesn't matter who you are, you go, oh my, like just wow, wow. And, and you know, you, you then look at it and go, there's not many humans that can do that. Like, it's just not. I mean, you just have to be so skilled and, and powerful. And there's a lot of pieces to it. <clears throat> Good question. I'd have to think about that a little bit. I mean, maybe catches in football too. Mm, yes. The, um, that's, that's it. Those can bring you out of your seat. Something incredible along the sidelines or a great. You know, when Santonio San Holmes, I, I was watching the, uh, there was like, uh, we love lists at the end of the year and they had the hundred, you know, best plays and the immaculate reception was number one, but Santonio Holmes was in the top 10. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Arizona Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. that, you know, the, 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 the timing, the athleticism, the, the strength to be able to catch and do what you need to do, but then also throw it too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was what number was that, by the way, out of curiosity? Did that make the top 10? Yeah, it did. I, I, it might have been like six or five or something wow. like that. Look at, look at all these Steelers plays. James look Harrison at, was in there too. I was going to say that fumble recovery, 99 yards in the Super Bowl in that same game. That's crazy. Yep. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, over the course of – and you know what's interesting about soccer is it, there's some actual – well, there's two things. There's the individual play where the, it seems like they go – three quarters of the field and weave through, you know, everybody and then finish. And then it's the, the team just not letting the ball, like in a sense, it just, it's one touch, one touch, one touch, one touch goal. And it, you see a, some of those and it's, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. I think to me, the fact that the, the goal is, is so large is what it is. The ball is big. You see these things happen in real time. And as they're happening, you can sort of sense they're not going to, that's not going to go in. This is, and with even with the Kawaguchi goal, like between the legs, that was one that I had to see a second and third time to sort of grasp what exactly did he just do from below the goal line to score that? And there's that great sense of appreciation that after it happens and you revisit and like, oh my goodness, I can't believe. But with soccer, you get that live. And I think that's what makes it, there's a little separation there that the stuff that these guys do sometimes, to take nothing away from anybody on the ice, on the field, on the court, I just think the level of creativity and the realm of possibility with the space and the, 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 the space on the field, etc., it just takes, things just happen on a soccer pitch that just blow your mind that just don't happen in other sports. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 we've seen Federer, Nadal volleys, which are just ridiculous, right? Like just mm. silly macro board back one. in the day. Those are things, you know, if you're talking Ozzy Smith at shortstop or Jackie Bradley in center mm. field, those are some amazing plays. I mean, Julius Irving against the Lakers, he goes behind the backboard and that he'd like improvise that because he got cut off baseline and he just said, okay, that's fine. I'll just <laughs> go in the air then because you can. And or he can. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, soccer just 
you're right. It seems like it's big enough that you can kind of see it. And uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's amazing in real time. Yeah, that's my speech. That's my elevator pitch when people are like, yeah, soccer's boring. I'm like, well, you, I mean, you know, but you do get... Not until there are you, good things. There are good things about it too. And there's games within the game. There, yeah, that are always happening. Part of the reason why we love it. it that's exactly right. Well, hey, Alex, I 103 in the books. Hey, chalk another one up. Another one for the good guys, Bill. <laughs> oh, we will have another one of these coming up in two weeks, and we'll get back to that every other week schedule. Always great to see you. Best of luck navigating these waters here in the next couple of weeks. No, always appreciate you, Alex, for sure. It will be in the every other week uh, um, schedule, and I think that works out well. Yeah, I would agree. Good. Well, hey, best of luck to Bill, to our UND teams moving forward. For Bill Shaves, I'm Alex Seinert. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you soon.